You're listening to the LaunchCast, your favorite podcast on the planet, brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. We're talking leadership, business, life, and growth right now as the countdown starts. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Woo! Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the LaunchCast. Episode 318, Leadership Born in the Embers. A great title that's fitting. You're going to find out why in a few minutes. We are back for another live interview, which gets me so jazzed up. You guys know it. I got the goosebumps as always, but we got to do some business. So first, it's the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet, leadership, business, life, growth, right now as the beat drops. What is happening, my friends? Welcome back to the LaunchCast. We're here for another week, and it's been a big, big week, so I want to get some business out of the way first. Um, Everything, oh man, everything's firing on all cylinders. We are so excited. So Launchpad 516 Studios, the company that produces this podcast and so many more, had a huge, huge week, so I want to give a shout-out to a couple of podcasts out there. So um, this past Sunday, we are recording this Uh, Wednesday, March 23rd, this past Sunday, uh, which I think was the 20th, 20th, yeah, Um, season three of Discriminology premiered. Now, Discriminology is an established podcast, amazing podcast with a huge following hosted by Malik Selal, Steve Kramer, and Sidney Penn. It is a super important podcast podcast that talks about discrimination, has really thoughtful, insightful conversations about that. we are lucky enough to bring them on to our stable of shows uh, as they launch season three. So Launchpad 516 Studios is now producing Discriminology. We premiered season three uh, on Sunday, and I believe, what are they, every other week they come out with an episode. So um, the first episode is out. It is fire. Check it out. Um, I'll probably put links in the show notes, but this show, if you're on Apple Podcast, you see when you click on it, Launchpad 516 Studios produces it. Click on that. It'll bring you to the Launchpad 516 Studios channel. Currently, we have seven podcasts on that channel, and within the next two months, we're going to have about 20 shows live on there. We have so many shows that are in development right now and are launching in the coming month or two. So uh, super excited about that. That was Sunday. Now, today... Wednesday, the 23rd, we premiered Sounds Like Autism, another show that's an established podcast that came onto our stable of shows. Um, my good friends Dave Thompson and Josh Mursky. Dave, of course, is my co-host for Over My Dad podcast. Um, so uh, I had a little in there with the boys. But Sounds Like Autism, I've been a guest on that show before. They are another incredible, incredible, important show. Um And so, you know, being that we're a a production company, a podcast production company that brings on impactful programming uh, as well as entertaining programming, it was so important to show the diversity in our stable of shows. So Sounds Like Autism talks to people across the country, across the world that are making inclusiveness part of their everyday lives and they are building programs to create a more inclusive world for people on the autism spectrum and beyond. So uh, season three, episode 10, released today. It is the first, I think it's their Best of Connecticut show as they're doing their virtual inclusion tour. Um, It is the first episode that Launchpad 516 Studios is producing and onward, right? So we're going to keep doing it. So um, some some amazing shows that are coming soon. The Silva Lining with Carol Silva, legendary uh, news anchor, 40-year news anchor, is uh, launching a brand new show with us. So that'll be out in the coming month or so. We got 
<coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we got um, the Spreading Happiness podcast that launched a couple of months ago. We have uh, Peace, Love, Bring a Bat. We have uh, Embrace It that's out and so many more shows that are coming soon. So um, stay on top of our social media for the updates. You can follow me at Launchpad CEO to get all those updates. So now that the bills are paid, and all that is out of the way, let's get on to our interview. So I'm going to do the bio quick, and then we're going to bring our guest on screen. My guest today, David Hollenbach. David Hollenbach is a retired fire department battalion chief, the author of Fireproof, Your Grand Strategy for Transforming Failure into Fuel for Your Future, a motivational speaker, coach, mentor. He owns and operates David Hollenbach Consulting LLC and hosts the popular podcast, from Embers to Excellence. David is a veteran of the United States Navy with a master's degree in public administration from Barry University. A major focus of research for his capstone was how strong positive leadership can influence the culture of a large organization. Uh, while studying at Barry University, he published The Firefighter's Creed and Women in the Fire Service, A Diverse Culture Leads to a Successful Culture. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, an article highlighting the importance of gender diversity within the fire service in Fire Engineering Magazine. He has spent years as an instructor, coach, mentor, helping others define and realize success. Although he no longer works as a servant to the community, his passion for service to others remains stronger than ever. So without further ado, let's bring our guest on screen here. There he is. Hey, Dave. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on, George. Absolutely. Glad to hear it. Thank you for being on today. So we're going to dive right into this. We have no time to waste. We're going to ask the question that we start off with on every LaunchCast interview. David, are you a leader? Uh, yes, absolutely. And I would say that uh, everyone is a leader in their own right. Yeah, so talk to me about that a little bit more. What is your definition of a leader? Well, anyone that uh, adds value to the people around them, um, anyone that people look to for influence or development. And I, I think a lot of people dismiss their, their leadership abilities or their role as a leader. Um, if you just look at how uh, teachers influence the lives of their students, how parents influence the lives of their children. Um, I mean, as, as the, the son of my father, mother, you know, I, I influence my family all the time. Um, now in the workplace, the person at the bottom tier can have influence on those that are in leadership positions above them. Um, it's, it's all about how you approach it. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and looking at your experience, I'm going to, I'm going to list off a couple of things during your 23 year career in the fire service, you have served as a firefighter, apparatus, driver, pump operator, engineer, company officer, Lieutenant, Battalion Chief in Operations, Chief of Special Operations, Critical Incident Stress Management Peer Counselor, Public Safety Rescue Diver, Coordinator and Developer of your department's first leadership development program. I am um, a firm believer, Dave, that that our experience. Um, so, so one thing is our education, right, drives uh, the people that we become and the, and the things that we know. Um, but I think that our experience is what helps mold that knowledge into an executable plan, right? Uh, and so leadership to me, um, and, and it's emblematic of the, the title that we have here, right, leadership born in the embers, um, you know, no pun, well, pun intended here because you were a firefighter for so long. But I do believe that there's a fire that we are born from as leaders. And so whatever we learn in life in terms of our education becomes the foundation. But how we execute really comes from our experience and, and what that experience has taught us in terms of applying that thing we learned in real life. So talk to me a little bit about that. How is your experience, uh, especially your professional experience in your 23 23 year career um, shaped and molded what you think about leadership? Well, so my time in the Navy, I, I was just a, an enlisted sailor. I, I ended up 
breaking my leg pretty bad and and received a medical discharge so my my role in a leadership capacity was pretty limited but i was um, exposed to some some strong leaders um, when i got out of the navy i, I worked construction uh, as i was going to school putting myself through school to become a firefighter and I was exposed to some some great leaders as instructors and mentors. Um, I ended up operate. <clears throat> I ended up operating my own uh, construction business. Um, I I worked with my brother and my longtime best friend, uh, and I would say that. I did not do a very good job as a leader, um, leading my my friend and my younger brother, <clears throat> and and my younger brother. Um, those experiences, you know, when we look back on mistakes that we've made, and you kind of go, "Man, I really botched that." The idea is that when you when you make mistakes, when you recognize them, you apply that to how you operate moving forward so that you can do a better job and you can add that value to other people that are one day going to be in those roles after you're long gone. So there's one thing that I, I write about in my book and I, I used it when I was teaching leadership uh, throughout the last 10 years of my career is uh, this term that I found in a, in a Navy SEAL book. Um, it's called selfish altruism and you know altruism is that giving of yourself freely with no expectation of uh, benefit or you know accolades or anything like that well selfish altruism in the arena of leadership is you work really really hard at developing yourself to be that person that can add value to the people you're leading add as much value to them and what happens is you develop your team to this high performing uh, team they start following your lead they start working really hard at developing themselves um, taking classes and, and going to training outside of the department to to be better firefighters or you know whatever you know, in the military, law enforcement, whatever career path they're in, if you work really hard and you lead by example at, at working really hard to develop yourself, but you're not stingy with that knowledge, you work with them, you train with them, you pass on everything that you can to add value to them. Um, as the lieutenant, I work really hard at developing my crew so that they could one day step into my position and do an amazing job. And every single one of those people that I worked with at that time, they've all promoted and they are amazing leaders in their own right. And, and I think that is really the true measure of a good leader is the success of the people that you, you lead. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Um, we usually do a, a chronological dive here, uh, you know, sort of start at the beginning and, and move forward. We'll, we'll do that a little bit later, an abbreviated version, because it's not often that I uh, get to speak to a, a, another leadership expert on here, right? The, this whole podcast, the whole goal of the LaunchCast is uh, to tell unconventional journeys to leadership. Um, and really the goal is for an audience member to be able to hear this and kind of hear this story um, and say to themselves like, hey, I've, I've gone through the same thing. Maybe I can be the leader that this person is uh, on this show right now, this guest right now. And so um, that's kind of what we do here. I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm a student of leadership myself um, in the last few years, uh, besides launching my own um, leadership coaching division of my company, Launchpad 516. Um, I've really been very introspective, in, especially in the last 10 years, about sort of looking at myself and my mis the mistakes I've made uh, in life and turning them into strengths and helping other people understand um, 
those decisions as well through my own journey. And so uh, I, I always relish having another leadership expert on here, and I want to take that deep dive into leadership, and then we'll get to uh, to more of the journey later. So um, I've read some of your stuff, and you talked a little bit about selfish altruism, which I think ties into this a little bit, but um, you talk about self-leadership a lot. Talk to me about the importance of, of self-leadership. What does that mean? Well... To me, and it's interesting, I, I just had this conversation last night with, with one of the guests on, on my show. Um, your, your intention and resolve. Um, Self-leadership is, uh, there's so many components to it, but the, there's the self-awareness, knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are, um, sharing your strengths and working really hard at eliminating or minimizing your weaknesses, um, knowing what your, your values are, what it, like your core values, not, not like some poster and in the building that you work in that says these are the core values but what is important to you like what do you want people to feel when they're around you what you know what do your actions convey to them as to what's really valuable to you and and really checking yourself you know your decisions that you're making and and one of the things that I would teach is, I mean, it goes back to Stoic philosophy, uh, Epictetus, that talks about what wisdom is, is there's this gap between, between uh, stimulus and action. So you 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 are stimulated to act by something outside uh, of your little circle whatever it is you're you're put in a position where you need to act or decide not to act before you make that decision there is that gap where you can say is my action going to make this situation better is it going to be irrelevant or is it going to make it worse and in that gap you have a choice to make be a good self-leader make the right choice and in a lot of in a lot of times there's not a clear choice of what is right and wrong you can't really play out uh every eventuality but if you know what you stand for and you do your best job at at acting in a way that is congruent with who you are good or bad however it turns out if you are true to who you are i think you can make that that decision and, and feel good about it and, and so that's what I, I feel like self-leadership is, is, is having that wisdom and that self-awareness of knowing what it is that you stand for and acting in that vein, being, being true to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. So much, so much so many good points that you made there that I, I, I want to splinter off of so many of these to, to continue. Uh, uh, it's really a philosophical conversation about leadership, right? <laughs> and I think when people can understand um, where the roots of leadership come from, they, they kind of get why there are so many different th uh, schools, of, schools of thought on leadership. Um, so it, we, we won't go too much into the vortex here because I know if, if I dive in with this kind of stuff, I'm going to bore people. But... Um, I love all the thoughts on this stuff. We're going to get to the book later on. Um, talk to me about the relationship between leading and following. And then the follow-up question to that, and I think it's closely tied to it, 
uh, is a topic that we talk about here on the LaunchCast so much, the difference between leadership and management. So let's start with the, the relationship between leading and following and then go on to uh, leadership and management. Okay. I, I want to say it was uh, Aristotle. Yeah, I think Aristotle said that you cannot be a good leader without being a good follower. You can't expect to lead others if you can't be a good follower. And, and to me, what that means is you're, you're leading by example as a follower. Um, everybody has a leader. Everybody answers to somebody. And if you do that well, I, I think that you're better equipped to lead others. So, so when we say a, a, a follower, because I want you to clarify this a little bit, because um, I, I think I, I, I get what you're saying here. But when we say being a follower first, are we talking about being sort of uh, a, a student in that moment, being somebody that that understands the you know whether it's a cause or whatever it is that you're leading, uh, somebody that understands it first be, before becoming a leader in the space, or is it more about um, being a team player in, in that moment? Uh, I think, I think both. <laughs> so uh, I think even in the highest leadership positions, you have to be well-grounded and, and understand that you're still a follower. Um, there's a saying that I have, be humble or be humbled. You know, if you let that position go to your head, uh, you know, you'll soon find yourself um, without too many followers. <laughs> and and I, I just, if you think of followership in the leadership program that I developed, it develops in stages. You first learn what followership is, the value of it, and work your way up from there. You always have to be grounded. Remember your roots. The foundation of all good leadership is good followership. So I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Um, you know, it, it can be, uh, if you look at it, on a on a team level, um, depending on just say football, depending on who's carrying the football, that's the one that's the leader, and everybody else is supporting them. Right. So, no, I, I I I I totally get what you're saying there, um, and, and I think this feeds into the follow up of this because. Um, and, and again, this is something we talk about a lot here. Um, I think a big misnomer out there is that somebody thinks that a manager is a leader uh, and a leader is a manager and vice versa. Um, and I think that when we talk about the, the word management or manager, uh, we always think about it in a, in a professional setting, of course. Um, so when we talk about followership and, and uh, being a follower first before becoming a leader. Um, I do believe that in a professional setting, that does hold true, right? Because when we talk about the, the thing at hand, it's the work getting done, uh, the work being accomplished, the goal of whatever that business is, that organization being accomplished. And so I do believe you have to be fully vested um, as a follower of that, I think you have to be invested in the goal of that business, what what that end goal is, what you're trying to accomplish together as a team before you can manage that team. But leading that team is a whole different thing. You can manage without being a leader. Um, talk about that a little bit. Talk about your, your thoughts on that. So to me, uh, a manager I think that there are managers that have uh, good leadership skills and, and they're able to lead their teams very well. Uh, 
I think that there are leaders that have good management skills. But to me, leadership is more about influence and inspiration. Um, and, and it's not about position. Whereas managers, I, I believe, manage processes, manage tasks. And a lot of times it comes with position power and that, and not necessarily because the team says, yeah, this is the best person. We'll follow them to the ends of the earth. It's whatever organization says, all right, you have the qualifications. Let me put you in this position. And here's what we need you to accomplish on a daily basis. And that individual manages those processes, manages the team to accomplish whatever goals of the organization. Um, but if that manager can't inspire those people, and if those people don't feel like the manager has uh, their best interest, if that manager doesn't care about them as individuals, um, they'll probably just do the minimum. And that's not leadership. Leadership to me is the people on the team know what you expect of them and they will work their asses off to deliver and do the best for you because they know that you would do that for them. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I, and I particularly love that you talked about inspiration as part of leadership. Now, I think that <clears throat> there's a, a, I don't want to say a misnomer out there about this. I think that a lot of times when people see a leader, and, and you can speak on this as well, I think a lot of times when people see a leader, they look at it from like the motivational standpoint, right? Like that, you know, because they're watching their videos online, their YouTube videos, and they're seeing these great speeches and everything, and there's motivation behind it. And that is a, can be a big part of leadership, but there's so many different types of leadership. I, um, I can be that guy that stands in front of the crowd and 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 gives that speech to inspire people. I do that in in many ways as a community leader, uh, as a coach. I just coached my son's championship basketball game last night, um, which we lost unfortunately. But um, you know, and so that that is a big part of things. But I think people need to understand a, a better look at the theory behind inspiration to kind of understand leadership. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a a quick like 30 second version of this, but I teach uh, in the leadership experience, I teach something called inspiration theory. And this goes back to the old Greek philosophers. Um, there's a school of thought that inspiration comes from ideas. So uh, so when we look at um, uh, inspiration in like the theater, right? This is one of the theories of the old Greek philosophers. Um, there's a, a play, right, that's being done. And so the chain of inspiration in that play starts with, to them, starts with God, right? We're not going to get into a, a religious uh, conversation here about this, but to them, started with God. God inspires the playwright with the words, right? Um, the playwright is then inspired and writes these words and puts them on paper and now looks to put this play together. And so now the playwright brings the, the dancers and the actors and, and everybody on there. And so they are now inspired by the playwright and the words uh, in order to create this performance. And they get out there and they perform, they act, they dance, whatever it is that they do. And now they are inspiring the audience that is watching to take these lessons, the, these ideas that come in the play and carry them forward in their lives. And so inspiration isn't just getting up and motivating somebody by telling some kind of inspirational story and then winning them over. There's a whole chain of things that have happened in, in inspiration. And when you can kind of be really introspective about um, the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis and the things that make you a leader, the things that turn you into a leader, the things that inspire others, inspire in the conventional sense of the word, but then when we look at it in the really like the micro sense of the word, the chain of things that caused that inspiration, there's a lot of work that goes behind 
being a leader and and leadership in and of itself. So I love that you were use the word inspiration in there because that's a huge part of leadership to me. Um, I want to move on. Uh, 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 we can we can have this whole we could do like three hours on this. And now a word from our sponsors. Well, that's a nice song. Hey, hey, everybody. It's me, the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos, the host of the LaunchCast, the co-host of Over My Dad podcast. But more importantly, I'm here today on behalf of Launchpad 516 Studios, the podcast production company that makes those two shows, the one you're listening to now, and so many others possible. Now, what is Launchpad 516 Studios? Well, it's the brainchild of Launchpad 516. It's a podcast production company, and we help you from conceptualization to production, to recording, to post-production, to monetization. The key word here, let's turn that hobby, that idea into a revenue stream. But more importantly, let's get that important idea out there and get your voice heard, because that's what matters right now. Hit us up, launchpad516studios.com to find out more information. Or send us an email, podcast at lp516.com. DM me at Launchpad CEO on all the platforms. Let's chat. Let's get your voice heard. We're pretty good at this, guys. Don't let this offer slip by you. Later, guys. Beep, beep, beep. We are interrupting this show to tell you about our podcast with a very special announcement. Hey folks, I hope you're enjoying your podcast which you're listening to right now. But I would like to tell you about another one. We are Sounds Like Autism. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Which is full of impactful programming. It's the podcast that celebrates neurodiversity by speaking to the people who are helping to create a more inclusive world. I am Dave Thompson. I am an educator and an innovator and a leader within the space of helping the world become a more inclusive place for neurodivergent people as a neurodivergent self-advocate myself. And my co-host, Josh Mursky, is an incredible, hardworking, big picture dude who is on the autism spectrum and super stoked to spread his message of inclusion along with me. We've had folks on from all over, all walks of life, all over the country, and more. You don't need to be someone who is autistic yourself or have skin in the game. You don't need a family member or a neighbor who is autistic. You probably have one, but you don't need any of that to get stoked on neurodiversity and inclusion. We're confident that if you give us a shot, if you join us on our journey, that you'll be a lifer and you'll be fully invested in this mission. We are just so delighted and honored to have this kind of platform to share with you all what we do. Check us out. I hope you enjoy your current podcast. And then after that, skedaddle and come right over here to Sounds Like Autism and check us out. Now, back to the show. You're listening to The LaunchCast, produced by Launchpad 516 Studios, with me, your host, the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos. I want to move on. I want to do like the Cliff's Note version of um, uh, your professional career. I know we listed a lot of things. Um, where did it all start in terms of your career? Was it the military first? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so you went from the military and then following that you became a firefighter is that correct yes okay um we heard the the whole chain of of uh you know your your rise uh within that world uh starting from a firefighter going to an engineer and and so on um what was the next step after being a firefighter uh that's always the interesting thing when somebody comes becomes a thought leader um within an industry. So you're, you're a leadership coach now. You're somebody that's out there uh, teaching these experiences that you've had. What was that next step that, that went from being uh, this person within you know a fire department to who you are now? Uh, well, if you don't mind, because it, it goes back to my early childhood and I can give you a really brief synopsis and, and tie yeah, it go all for together. It. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with the, the ACE study? I am not. Uh, no. it, so I'm only aware of it because uh, several years ago I was diagnosed with PTSD and I've struggled with it for, for quite some time. And 
what the ACE study says is, and, and ACE is an acronym for um, adverse childhood experiences. And there's a scale, um, there is a survey that you take to find out what your score is. And depending on your score and, and everybody, it, it's a huge percentage of our population or of the world has uh, a certain, they fall on that scale at some point. Um, we've all had adverse childhood experiences, uh, some more than others, but it, it goes from neglect, uh, being the child of a, a divorced mom and dad, um, experiencing the death of a sibling or, uh, you know, experiencing death at an early age, um, uh, you know, I said neglect, child abuse, uh, whether it's verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, those all play in there. And at a very early age, my mom and dad got divorced and I spent time uh, being taken care of by my great grandmother. And she was not a nice woman. Um, I was sexually abused by one of my older cousins in that house. Um, and then my great grandmother beat me like a dog. Uh, and then when I tried to tell somebody, I was told, no, that didn't happen. That would never happen. And it was just, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a rough life for me. It's what I knew, but I knew something wasn't right. And you grow up and a lot of, a lot of the people that I've worked with um, have a, a certain level on the ACE uh, ladder there. You know, they've got a, a score. And typically, people that have had a lot of adverse childhood experiences in, go into some form of service, whether it's medicine, uh, law enforcement, the fire service, the military, because they want to take control and they want to prevent uh, those kind of experiences from happening to others. Sure. And I, I never recognized this until later on. Well, you know, I worked in uh, a very large fire department and there's, you know, the inner city area, there's some suburbs, and then there's rural area. I always worked in the very busy stations. Um, in a 24-hour period, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a stretch to, to run 20 calls. Uh, I think the, the busiest uh, shift I ever had was 32 calls. And that's just going from one to the next. You don't ever see the station. You're just moving from emergency to emergency. Yeah. And and in low income areas, um, there tends to be more violence, um, more just there. There are things that you see <clears throat> that. Um, that the average person is never exposed to. You see uh, the awful things that people will do to other people. You uh, see how broken a human body can become and there still be life in it. Um, you experience the families that arrive on scene of a horrible accident to see their their child you know and their child's broken body and and hear that guttural cry of their soul breaking and that shit will stick with you and the the culture of the fire service of law enforcement of military 
a lot of times it, it's such that you don't ever admit that you're feeling some kind of emotional way because you're the person that fixes things. You got to be tough. You know, you have to be impervious to that emotional pain, but that's bullshit. <laughs> you experience that. And if, if you want to put on this, uh, facade that you're uh, some badass that you're tough that nothing affects you you'll keep telling yourself that and you're shoving that that pain and and stuff down those, those memories it, it it but it comes out it comes out in the form of you know broken relationships abuse uh, uh substance abuse nightmares um it's it's all uh, let me digress. People with a high ACEs score tend to be um, more susceptible to PTSD, to experiencing those symptoms of PTSD. Um, and, and so I, I was, I was, like an open vessel accepting all of that uh that pain and anguish and and it it took me most of my career to to break um and and i ended up getting help because people that i was working with saw this this change in me and they said man you gotta you gotta get some help and so i did um the the funny thing is with with ptsd is that it's not a one and done it's not you go to some retreat and they do some voodoo and you're fixed and you can live a happy life without any uh any adversity it's a constant you're constantly working um to to, to keep your limbic system and your frontal brain connected. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, when, when your actions and your decision-making process is, uh, is affected by your, your body and, and your actions just running off of your limbic system, that reptilian brain where you're on high alert, fight, fight or freeze, um you um you can make some pretty poor decisions whether it's professionally or personally and in in my in my career i had uh got to a point where i was very very um highly respected well regarded um and I, I was mentoring quite a few people. Um, but in my personal life, I was in a bad relationship. Um, and when that relationship was coming to an end, uh, well, actually, it had come to an end, but she was still living in my house. I actually ended up um, making some poor decisions as a mentor. I had multiple firefighters and, and young fire officers that I was mentoring, but one of the people that I was mentoring was uh, a young female firefighter. And uh, I, I got involved with her and, um, and I crossed that line of uh, what is appropriate uh, of a mentor. And, um, you know, I didn't maintain clear boundaries. Those are some of the mistakes that I made because you get to this point where, and this is where substance abuse comes in, where you're chasing that dopamine fix. You, you feel like shit all the time and you want to feel good. So the things that feel good are, you know, taking drugs, drinking, uh, having sex, uh, doing things that are exciting, skydiving, whatever it is. Um, and 
I, you know, I mean, what's more exciting than having uh, a fling with a young, beautiful woman, you know, <laughs> it was, right. but a bad decision. Um, and when it came to light, the woman that was still living in my house, she threw a fit and thank God I have security cameras uh, because she ended up she was physically aggressive to me, but she called 911 and said that <laughs> said that I headbutted her. Well, it went all over the news, and here I am. I had been on the news quite a bit in my role as the chief of special operations, as you know, the one leading our department's dive team. We had done some incredible rescues, and you know, I'd been deployed for hurricanes and and been the spokesperson the face of the department and these teams and now i'm on the news for being arrested for domestic violence uh and like i i told you earlier i've i've got a teenage daughter that sees this shit. yeah and and my dad he comes from the same department everybody knows him everybody knows me very very visible out in the open and uh when the relationship with the young firefighter came to light uh she wasn't in my chain of command but i still violated policy and you know i was never charged with domestic violence like once the the recordings of the incident at my house uh went to the state attorney everything just went away um unfortunate but my entire adult life i had identified as this person this firefighter this guy that that leads other men and women that um i mean i've done some incredible stuff like i I, i've had a i had a great career but that was my identity so i thought and and what i found after losing all of it because i was terminated um you know forcefully retired uh when i left i had to do a lot of soul searching and i and i i went to a really dark place because before all of that happened there were some calls that I went on that were the most horrific of my career and I couldn't sleep. I wasn't sleeping. I was afraid to go to sleep because of the nightmares I was having. Um, and I was reluctant to go get help because here I am, I'm, you know, I'm on the critical incident stress management team. You know, I'm, I'm not the one that goes and gets help. I'm the one that helps really distorted thinking um and and so i made some poor decisions i was not effective i was not effectively leading myself um my decision making process was was definitely not on point and those mistakes cost me my career my reputation and really my identity and and so uh you know i i started drinking a lot and i had made a decision one night um so this is i signed my termination papers in the the grocery store parking lot down the road from the department's headquarters they didn't want me to come to the building very insulting and they did it the day before thanksgiving and um and so here i am around the holidays feeling very very sorry for myself uh and made a decision that i was gonna drive my truck into a wall um and you know i was pretty drunk and unbuckled my seatbelt, rolled down my windows, got my truck up to about 90 miles an hour, 
aimed it and let go of the steering wheel. And um, I, I looked up to <clears throat> to just ask for forgiveness for what I was about to do. And <laughs> on, on my visor is a picture of me holding my daughter on the day she was born. And I slammed on the brakes and everything went black. I, I woke up the next morning in my bed. I, you know, don't have any recollection of the, the, the time that passed between slamming on the brakes and me actually crawling into bed. But I woke up in my bed. My truck was in the driveway little cockeyed, but it was in the driveway and, uh, and I just broke. I couldn't believe that I had almost done that. And, um, and I, I committed to myself that I was going to make something good of that shit sandwich um and and so i decided to get help first you gotta fix yourself before you can help anybody else and so i worked really hard for for months and months and months doing programs and uh you know i i got help and as a way of healing but also as a way of using those mistakes, those failures to, to make it be for something, I decided to, to write my book and share these dark times in my life to hopefully help other people get help early um help them make better decisions help them see well if i don't have clear boundaries if i'm mentoring a young woman and i don't set clear boundaries and maintain them i could end up like this um and then also to share that story of like because there's a lot of people out there that have found themselves in a really dark place where they decide that the world is better off without them and the reality is that if i had if i had actually followed through i would have never done my podcast i would have never written my book i would have never given the talks that i've given since then I would have never helped people that I've helped. And to me, there, there's a couple of letters that I've received from people that were about to eat a bullet. And for whatever reason, happened upon my show and said thank you and um and i was able to direct them to some resources and uh all it is is if you can give somebody just a little bit of hope that that isn't the end that's not the end of their story that they can use whatever they see as their the lowest point in their life as something valuable that they can use that to add value to somebody else, then that, that doesn't uh, determine that one event doesn't determine who they are. What they do with that is what determines who they are. Yeah, that's incredible, man. I, I want to, I want to just, first of all, thank you for, for a few things here. Uh, before we we continue and start wrapping it up, uh, I want to thank you first of all for your honesty. That was uh, that was incredible, and that's 
uh, it's going to help a lot of people. We, we, we actually, you know, pop contrary to popular belief, we actually have a ton of listeners on this show and, and people have contacted me after hearing guest stories like this, uh, and really, um, you know, thanked us for, for sharing these stories. So I want to thank you first of all, for sharing that, um, Second of all, and I meant to do this before, I wanted to thank you for your service, both in the military and, uh, you know, in the, in the fire department and everything you've done for uh, uh, for the people out there, right? Um, I want to share a thought about this, because this, this is honestly the God's honest truth. There are a couple of things that I get uncomfortable with um, in life, and, and I've really, over the last couple of years, tried doing my best to work on those things. Um, one of those things is is you know I, I didn't have too much experience with on one side of things uh mental health issues um you know when i was younger i wasn't really exposed to it much um i also didn't have any experience on the other side of things with um people that go through um experiences that get them to the point where uh, they want to give up, right? And and suicide becomes a, a thought. Um, I have been exposed in the last couple of years to a few of these situations with with people that I know, and I've and I've found that it makes me extremely uncomfortable because I'm the guy that always wants to help. Um, you know, uh, when I see somebody in pain, when I you know, as a as a leader, as a natural leader, I just want to be there for people and help them get through a situation. But I have noticed. Uh, in the last few years that um, I tend to run from those situations when I when I see that going on in somebody's life uh, it, it makes me very uncomfortable and and I don't understand it and and I tend to run so um, hearing the story today for me was it just gave me another perspective on you know these these journeys that we kind of go through and and you get to these moments in life where and again whether they're influenced by you know substance abuse or whatever um, it's besides the point, but but people do in a very real way get to these moments in life where um, they kind of decide like this is it, you know. There's there's no other way but but this way. And um, I would like to learn more as I grow as a, as a leader and a person about the decisions that make those people switch paths right um we talk about in the show spark moments spark moments for us are moments that lead us down a path in life good bad or indifferent path um, but it's a specific moment that you can remember in your life that leads you down a very specific path and so pinpointing the spark moments that in those moments when you have it gone it's 90 miles an hour heading straight for a wall and you all of a sudden decide nope this is not the right path for me and and slow down and veer off um, and survive and then become the leader that you were meant to be. That is so inspirational to me. Um, and so people need to hear stories like this to to help pinpoint what those spark moments are in those moments that could help save uh, somebody's life. So so and I know that you're saving a life just telling this story. So I very, very much appreciate you for that. Um, and for being that honest, I do have to start wrapping it up. I want to be mindful of your time and our listeners time. Um, we mentioned the book quite a few times today, Fireproof, your grand strategy for transforming failure into fuel for the future. I had some questions on here about the book, which you actually answered already. Um, and so what I'm going to say is all of David's links will be in the show notes, uh, the link to buy the book, uh, the link to his website, uh, everything that we've talked about today is going to be in the show notes today um one of my final questions he kind of answered uh you know uh family influence uh uh in being a leader um i i think that we can hear the story of you looking at the picture of your daughter in the visor and deciding to live uh as the answer to how has being a dad influenced you uh in your life and, and your leadership so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it at that and maybe there's a follow-up interview after this we'll see um but uh, yeah, incredible stuff, man. I appreciate you, David. Let's move on to the big three, guys. The big three from the launch cast. The big three. The big three. You all know it. This is where we're going to throw out some stuff at David. Um, David, you're going to give us your top three for each thing. Quick, concise answers on these uh, so we can blow through it and wrap this thing up. Ready? Ready. All right. Three favorite books. 
Jeez. And you can't include uh, yours. <laughs> uh, Warrior's Creed by Roger Sparks. Uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And, oh, man. The, the Wisdom of the Men by Arthur... His name is it. His last name is escaping me. It's fine. Um, we'll we'll put it in the show notes. I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. Cool. Right. Um, yeah. Three biggest failures. All right. <laughs> uh, three biggest failures. Not repairing my relationship with my younger brother before he passed. Um, getting drunk the night of December 31st, 2000, uh, which led to a DUI that changed the, the, the course of my life. And then, uh, not maintaining those professional boundaries with that young firefighter. Yeah. Um, let's turn it around. Three biggest wins in life. My daughter. Becoming a firefighter. And writing my book. Love it. Love it. Last one. Three tips to leave our audience with today in terms of leadership. So real short story. When uh, I was somewhat of a leader in the fire service, uh, junior firefighter, he was retired army. Um, he had worked his way up to first sergeant. His name's Angel Flores, just a, a quiet professional, didn't talk a lot, but his work ethic impacted me so much. There would be times that I would do what needed to be done around the station, and I would see him going back and doing the exact same things behind me. And... I told him one time, like, what are you doing, man? I already did that. And he was like, oh, did you? And then continued. And I realized that my standard and his standard were two different things. And so I worked very, very hard to meet his standard. Because if he was following behind me, here I am, I'm in a higher position than him and supposed to be the leader and he's going behind me and redoing what I've already done because I didn't meet his standard and not really, he didn't complain about it or anything. No matter where you're at in your career, you can impact those around you. You are a leader. You've got to embrace it and work very, very hard to develop yourself so that you can add value to those around you. So I think that's two things. And then the third is we're, we're all connected. I, I think that we've got to realize our purpose in life and it goes back to Eastern philosophy, uh, Stoic philosophy, you know, throughout history, man has tried to uh you know mankind has tried to uh figure out what is the meaning of life and all that um and, and i really do believe that we all have a purpose and it's how we express that purpose um as individuals but that purpose is always to add as much value to those around us we are all connected 
and we can add value in some way. Love that. Love that. David, appreciate all the honesty. I appreciate you coming on here uh, and helping to educate our audience. Um, but especially the honesty, man. We cannot grow as leaders, as human beings, unless we are honest with ourselves and our constituency uh, about the journey that we've gone through and, and be introspective enough to learn from that. Uh, my first TED talk, my first TEDx talk was, uh, the theme was mistake equals practice, right? Um, and, and I am a firm believer in that. Yes, we can make mistakes. Yes, others get hurt in the process. And that is the unfortunate part of mistakes a lot of times. And yes, we regret those mistakes as leaders in terms of hurting others. But a true leader does not regret making the mistake itself because it became a lesson. It became practice on how to become better. Uh, and so I, I know you're of that school of thought too. So Dave, I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for being on here. I'm going to put you back in the green room uh, in a second, and then we'll, we'll chat right after the show ends. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Of course. All right. Let me put you in the green room. Great. Let me... We tear these notes up, too, because that means we did it. Guys, another one. We did it. Episode 318 in the books. Bringing the fire with these leadership interviews. Um, oh, man, that was a good one today. Uh, I'm so excited to hear these, these unconventional journeys. Again, if you are in the audience here and you are hearing these stories, we talked about here uh, a suicide attempt, a DUI um, uh, a major incident at work, a, a, a public incident that that um, all could have led to ruin and instead led to a place in life where our guest is out here teaching people uh, the lessons he's learned uh, through life in order to become better leaders. That's what this whole thing is about. Um, we're out here. We're out here sharing our stories. We're out here trying to build other leaders. Um, uh, and we always say on this show that leadership is what? Raise your hand and say, I'll do it, right? That's as simple as it is. So thank you for joining us today. Another one next week. We're live every single Monday, 6 a.m. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Google, all of them. We're everywhere. Thanks for joining, guys. We'll see you next week. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole. Into the black hole. The LaunchCast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Produced by Fabrizio Fugazi and executive produced by George Andriopoulos. Marketing and PR by Media Convergence. Theme song by Tommy Lungberg. Music and sound effects are licensed through Epidemic Sound. The LaunchCast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it, guys. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere else that podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, the host at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or follow the show at The Launchcast Show on Facebook and Instagram, or at Launchcast Show on Twitter. Visit our website, thelaunchcast.com, and make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. We'll see you next time, guys.